previously on Partnership Vision Podcast. Right after that, we just reconnected. I ended up having to go back to Ohio (laughs) because that's where I'm from originally. And my grandparents on my mother's side were just in a really bad state in their health and they needed full care, basically. And I just had that sense about how when you just start to connect with somebody, it's like a really vital time in the relationship to like keep on talking and keep on texting. And and if you don't, it might just kind of fizzle out and there's nothing there. And so I was aware of that contact and that initial chemistry is just lost on that moment and it's gone. And at the same time that I went to Ohio, she actually ended up going with her dad and family on a family trip, which was something that with her extended family, they'd never done before. So during the trip, I got busy between, you know, actually being somewhere like a museum or something or taking pictures and who knows what all else. I didn't text that much and we started texting less and less and it kind of came to kind of a standstill. Vinny, Vinny, Amari. We came, we saw, we loved. Welcome to the Partnership Vision Podcast. Where we discuss how to have a relationship full of unity, trust, fun, and fulfillment. We'll be sharing the rewards of preparing yourself for your best partner and being your best for them. And I was going through a lot right at that time too, because my grandma had dementia, my grandpa's health was majorly in decline, and I just felt really alone there at their house, you know, where it felt like I was holding back death. Like I was the only reason, like why grandma was staying alive was for me to be there and uh, to spend that time with me. And so I could feel that pressure from that and feel that impending feeling of doom, of death that was hovering over the place. And, you know, she would come out of her dementia for me, for me being there, she would like become lucid and have her be in her clear mind and know who I was and talk to me and everything. But then a lot of times she was like, where, where are we? Why, what, what is this place? I want to go home. You know, where are my, where are my brothers and sisters? You know, and they'd been dead for years and, it was just, it was rough. It was really, really hard. And I felt very alone, especially now, you know, and Brandy wasn't texting as much because she wasn't able to. And it's just like, wow, I am like alone, alone. Like I am here and I got nothing. And I, I started doing some unhealthy things to try to cope with how I was feeling and where I was at and just was not handling it very well. And uh, in that time, I actually came to a point that I realized that I needed to in a way that I hadn't before, not necessarily try to stop caring about Brandy, not stop being attached to her, but you know, God helped me to realize that I needed to release that desire to have her, you know, that desire to possess and to want for myself and instead to just truly pray and truly will 
what was God's best for her life, like whoever God's best would be, whatever God's best would be, to pray that with my heart, with sincerity, and just love with unconditional love that would just surrender and give her up to God and let her be in his heart, let her be in his will, and then whatever would be the outcome to be happy and to know that it was for the best. And coming to that point, I kind of finally came to a point of peace, a point of tranquility about it where I wasn't like frustrated at her for not talking to me and you know what's going to happen with this situation, what's going to go on. I finally just was relaxed about it and I flew home back to Texas. Within a couple days, I got a call that my grandma died and it it really wrecked me. It was really, really hard on me. But I had come to that point anyway of surrender. And I also was able to deal with that a lot better, I think, because of the things I'd been working through and because of coming to a better point of self-awareness emotionally and understanding how to deal with these things with God. So in seeing that we weren't talking much at all for whatever reasons and not having any plans or hopes that we were going to be more than friends at any point, especially not after just reconnecting at least, I then just felt really empty. I mean, a little time had gone by in between, you know, my trip, his trip, him losing his grandma and everything. And at this point, I just, I felt very alone. And along with that, so after breaking up with my captor, he would then try to text or call me on a regular basis, almost daily. So even during that trip I was on, he would actually text me. And it was all in an attempt to remain as a fixture in my life, like a parasite. It may sound odd, but it often felt like he was draining life force from me to sustain himself. Like I was lessening and lessening in just being and just existing while he was almost like the flower that was getting all the water and I was over here wilting. And that is the thing with uh, some people that are toxic is that a lot of times you can feel that there's an energy being drained out of you by them and it is like they're taking life from you and I can't fully explain it or understand it but what I do know is I know I've experienced it. I've experienced it many times. And we need to be aware of when that's the kind of person we're dealing with. You know, we need to be aware of when they are taking the life out of us, you know, and they're instead of adding and giving you life and making you feel more energy and making you feel that things are better when it's like the, the color out of things are getting sucked out just by their being in your vicinity, whether by text or whatever the case may be. And so that's, you know, a clear sign that it is like just an unhealthy connection period that you need to get rid of. The amount of abuse that I still was receiving through the phone was prolific. And that's outside of going to visit him maybe three or four times for differing circumstances post breakup. He was, you know, cordial or nice during the visits to try to win me over. But on the phone, he would mix in past patterns to pull me back in with trauma he knew that worked on me. He would still keep tabs on me, and if I didn't answer the phone on time or answer his text quickly enough, he would then get very verbose with anger, insults, guilt trips, manipulative, con manipulative tactics, and the twisting of words to create a crime that I somehow committed against him. 
that was one thing that he would always do is gaslight me and make things out to be my fault when he was the one that created it in the first place. And then I would always be like, well, did I do, did I do something wrong? I'm sorry. And end up being, and, and end up feeling legitly like I did it. Like it was all my fault. And toward the ends of many of these phone calls and things, he would always tell me, you know, you know, no one will ever love you as much as I do. And I would always ask him, like, well, how do you even know that? What, what, what makes you think that literally no one else in this world will ever love me as much or like you do? And all he could tell me was, I just know. Which to me, it's like, wow, I hope nobody else in this world loves me like you. <laughs> like, this is the worst love you could possibly get. So it's like, yeah, I, I, I believe that. And I receive that in Jesus' name. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, no, thank you. No, no one's going to love me like you. Yeah, I'm going to actually be really loved by somebody. <laughs> exactly. It's like, if that's love, then I don't want it. <laughs> If that's love, then hate me away. <laughs> hate me as much as you want. In an instance of creating crimes that I supposedly did against him, and, and this isn't just a huge example, but it is an example. So during the time that I was with him, he, you know, rode his motorcycle everywhere and he was all about his Harley and everything. And I started to kind of want to drive a bike myself. And he ended up for one of my birthdays getting me into a motorcycle course and getting my motorcycle license and at first he kind of let me drive his around the parking lot and then with the agreement at some point I would help him with payments or at least you know chip in some towards the bike he went ahead and got me a sportster and that became my bike he bought it for me and with the you know the understanding that it was going to be mine and so with the breakup and him financially being under with the bike, somehow it just, the financing just kind of flipped. And he was looking at, you know, go ahead and just selling it because now since I broke up with him, well, that's not your bike anymore. And I'm like, well, okay, fine, whatever. That made me angry, but you know, at the same, and I had ties to that bike, but at the same time, I'm like, is it really worth it? It took a little bit to get there <laughs> because I really wanted the bike, but it was finally brought to my realization that, hey, it's, that bike isn't worth it. And I would want a cruiser to be able to go further than a Sportster could anyway. And so he was already telling me that, hey, yeah, when I, I took your bike to, and he was still calling it my bike, some for, you know, trying to again mess with me. But he's like, yeah, I, I rode your bike to church. And, and I, I wonder if he even really went to church when I wasn't there. But anyway, that's beside the point. And he told me that, hey, you know, somebody stopped and was looking at it and was wondering if I, I was ever planning to sell it. And I told him that maybe and um, that I was waiting to hear back about somebody else on it. And I was like, oh, OK, you know, it's like it is what it is, I guess. Well, all right. And so a little time passes by. I end up seeing one of the women that he was just, you know, all about posted on Facebook. This was before I blocked everybody in his circle. She posted about selling her cruiser. And I was like, hey, you know, that sure it has some miles on it, but there's no real wear and tear. And maybe she'll 
take payments or something when I can do it. So basically all I did was message her and was inquiring. I was like, hey, um, I'm very interested. This is why. And would you take payments? And she's like, yeah, um, I take payments and, and whatever gear I have, I'll just give it to you. You wouldn't have to buy it from me. I was like, okay, cool. Well, I'm, and then I basically closed with saying, well, when and if I do have the money, I hope you still have it. But, you know, what happens, happens. So I in no way ever told her, hey, I'm buying your bike. All I did was inquire and just left it open, completely open. And then either that evening or the next day, I get a text from my captor saying, you blinked up. You know, he, he cursed like a sailor. And I never cursed before being with him. And when I was with him, man, it was bad. But thank goodness that was broken off. But he said, you blinked up. And I'm like, what do you mean? I don't know what you mean. He's, he's like, you blinking no. And I'm like, huh? And then all I could think of is, could he be possibly just talking about that bike? Like, really? And so finally, I just like, are you talking about so-and-so's bike? And he's like, yeah, you better call me right now or, or else. And he, he, he did some sort of a threat. I forget what exactly the threat was. But it was bad enough to make me start quaking within myself. And I go upstairs to call him and I'm frantic. And I'm like, hey, you know what? You know, what's going on? Why are you so upset? And he's like, well, you're supposed to be paying me back for that bike. And you're blah, 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 blah. And you're trying to buy this bike behind my back. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to be the sneaky one now, huh? And I, I just kept telling him the truth. and Because like, that's the only, the only thing I could tell him because it was the truth. And I wasn't going to just fudge and, and be like, oh, well, yeah, I kind of did it behind your back after all. No. The truth was, I was trying to look out for you and allow you to go ahead and just sell the bike instead of just getting, you know, little bits and bits of payments from me at the what, what little I can, might end up being able to do at some point. You could just go ahead and sell the bike right out for however much and I can still get the bike that I'm going to want down the road and not be making payments on a bike that I would actually just end up getting rid of because I wanted something better or that would do more of what I wanted. And all he could keep on doing is just how terrible of a person I was and how just low I was for going behind his back and just making it all about him and how bad I was. Of course, as soon as he picked up, he, he went off. He was cursing up a storm and... I can't remember all the exact things that he said, but he was making it out like I was trying to do something behind his back and, and buy this other bike and just kind of leave him high and dry. And all I could do was keep telling him the truth. And he, he kept just saying just how much I was, I was wrong and I was lying and that I didn't care somehow. And really making it all about him and just trying to tear me down in the process and make, make me bow to his will once again and say, oh, yes, I was wrong. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have ever talked to her about that bike at all. I shouldn't have even looked at the bike. You know, it's like bow before him kind of stuff. But I refused. I didn't for one second. I, did, I stood my ground. No matter how upset and how trembling I was and how mad I was getting, I wasn't going to be taken down by him. And so I kept repeating and repeating and repeating, using repetition to my advantage, and it actually being for good reason. And 
and not to brainwash. And that was one of the first instances where I was able to stand up to him and he finally had to back down because he was given no reason to be mad, no logical reason to be mad. So he gradually came down. It's not like he went was going from seeing red, raging, angry to cool. It was more of a color scale, a grade scale. And it came down to him just trying to make conversation and trying to make nice and basically smooth things over. And at the time, I, I was wanting to go downstairs and, and fix some dinner, you know, and can I go make my bacon now? You know, it's like, are you done? Can we, I need to go. And he's like, well, I already burned your bacon. I guess you can go make some bacon. And I was like, okay, well, bye. <laughs> And that was that for that time being, and the bike was never brought up again. That was just one instance of him saying things and doing things that were just ridiculous. And like I said before, he would just come up with stuff to be like, I'm so hurt, you hurt me so bad. You need to fix this. And really, it was was stacking and stacking. So after some time, I mean, I broke up with him May 2018, and I didn't block his number until October of 2019. So that was a year and five months post-breakup, along with finally, you know, blocking all social medias. And that was doing the thing I was most afraid to do because of what he might do. I was always afraid of crossing him, making him angry because of all the different threats and things that he said he'd do and uh, saying that he would confront my parents and do all these other things and I didn't know what to do about it other than just to keep him tranquil and happy the best I could without completely doing myself in. This podcast is a part of our ministry partnership vision, which is dedicated to youth and young adults who are in need of support, wisdom, or healing so that they can live their best life with the people they're meant to be a part of. You can help support us by sharing our show with others directly, posting about us or reposting on social media, or by donating to us financially through our donorbox.org link, which you can find in the description for this episode. Thank you and have a blessed day. Thank you for joining us where the heart is heard. Partnership Vision Ministries. Stay driven by love. So you can wreck all the fear. You can check us out on Instagram at Partnership Vision Ministries. Or on Facebook on Partnership Vision Ministries page. And even Twitter at PVisionM. Y'all come back now, you hear?